Resilient Cyber Podcast brings you conversations from diverse cybersecurity professionals, ranging from executives, subject matter experts, and aspiring entrants. Today's diverse threat landscape requires systems that can withstand a variety of cyber incidents, remaining trustworthy and secure. Thank you for joining the Resilient Cyber Show. My name is Chris Hughes, and today I'm actually without my co-host, Dr. Nikki Robinson, who had an incident come up, uh, but she won't be able to make it. Uh, but today I'm joined by Rob Black. Rob, thanks for being here. Chris, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. I've been following your content for a lot, uh, a while now, and like it's really entertaining, and it, it always catches my attention, so I'm really excited to chat with you. Uh, but for, for that, you know, that being said, like folks that don't know you or don't know your background, do you mind giving us a bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Uh, so been in cybersecurity for 15 plus years uh, and uh, past five years have been running Fractional CISO, which is a virtual CISO firm. Uh, we help mid-sized SaaS companies with their cybersecurity leadership. So, uh, you know, the, the use case, the problem is SaaS company is selling to a large enterprise. That large enterprise says, hey, you need a better security program. And that's where we come in. We help them with their security program, their policies, their plans, their roadmap, all that sort of thing, and uh, and help them with, uh, you know, basically put that on track and help them to sell the large enterprises. Yeah, yeah. the VCs space is something I've been watching. It's really heating up. You know, you and a couple other folks I follow, I really respect. You know, really respect within that space. They're doing really well. Um, you know, for folks that aren't familiar with the concept of a VCSO or virtual CISO or fractional CISO, you know, yeah. whatever term you want to use, uh, what is it exactly, and how is it a little bit different than a traditional CISO? Okay, yeah. So great, great point. So if you're at a large company, you're going to have a CISO and you're going to have a security team, and the CISO is going to be making decisions about the cybersecurity program, communicating the risk to senior leadership, and essentially running the security program. As companies come down and down in size. It's not realistic to have your own security team. Just just picture a 100-person company. That 100-person company probably has engineering and marketing and sales, but how big a security team are they going to have? Um, and so that's where some a virtual CISO comes in, where we're going to work with multiple companies, but help them run that security program, help direct their existing technical resources to do things, help them with training and policy and all those sorts of things, and then... Um, and, 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 you know, basically help them reduce their cybersecurity risk. So it's, I would say it's a similar concept. It's just really um, typically for more downsized organizations. Sometimes uh, CISO leaves and we come in and step in as an interim CISO, though, for a large organization, but we're doing it on a part-time basis. Yeah, that's one thing I love about it is like, you know, I've seen a lot of studies showing that SMB market, you know, is targeted by malicious actors, even even more often than large enterprises in some cases, obviously, because they're understaffed, under-resourced, you know, those kind of things. They don't have a robust security team. Uh, so in my mind, like the virtual CISO is a perfect thing to like augment that uh, that gap and address that c- capability, you know, bringing security leadership to those small and mid-sized organizations. Uh, do you think the SMB market is like kind of catching on to the fact that they need security leadership and the visit, you know, VCISO is like a perfect, uh, you know, uh, solution to that? So, um, so the, the VCISO is a great solution for the small and medium business market. Well, it depends on how small. So when you say small, how small, like if you're a five person pizza shop, I'm not sure VCISO is going to help you. But if you're a 30-person company kind of small, then absolutely. Um, Oftentimes in today's environment, if you have any sort of technology, there is a need to help protect that. 
and you have a you have an interest of the data you have for your customers, maybe that your operations. You know, you want all those things to go smoothly. You also may have some regulatory requirements, and so for all those reasons, a VC so is needed in that SMB market. Now, one of the challenges is though is kind of ability slash willingness to pay. So while I would say, you know, so when I started Fractional CISO in 2017, I uh, kind of had to educate the market a little bit about what a virtual CISO was. In 2022, there's a little bit less of education on what we are, you know, maybe for some segments of the market, but it's more like, you know, are we going to spend our scarce dollars on, you know, on this thing? which makes perfect sense, right? Because basically, you know, you're competing, you know, based maybe taking away from some technical project or some other things that could be done. So, you know, while it makes perfect sense, um, I do think it is uh, tough for, especially for the S part of SMB, for the, the small size companies, because, you know, how much are they going to put towards their security program? Um, and, you know, I think there are some great resources out there, but the reality is, even though there are great resources out there, there needs to be a human that's kind of running the program. So basically, great resources, meaning taking part of the VP of engineering and their CTO or the CIO or the director of you know, IT or whatever, taking part of their time to kind of deliver those services. And obviously, they have a full-time day job. So, uh, you know, so it is a little bit of a challenge. You know, I can imagine in the future things being more democratized for that small size of the market. Now, when you move into the medium size of the market, it's really difficult, I think, to in today's threat environment to make the decision not to have someone running your security program, someone qualified. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> agree with that. I think a couple of things you said jumped out to me is like if you're using technology and it's like, well, in this, you know, this digital economy, like everyone is using technology in some way, shape or form, whether it's directly interfacing with a customer or just internally running their business and operations and, you know, their teams and things like that. Um out of curiosity, like I'm, I'm wondering, like when you start working with some of these organizations and say they are more on the smaller side and they don't have a robust, you know, IT or engineering or security staff, um, you know, how have you handled, you know, those situations where you come in and maybe you're making recommendations and like, you know, giving guidance, but uh, maybe they're really resource constrained, for example, and that, you know, they're kind of limited in what they can implement and what they can do. Um, how have you tried to tackle that challenge in some cases? Yeah, so that is you know, I would say in some respect, every organization, there's some resource constraint at some point. Now, you know, we're not recommending buying large enterprise security solutions, but oftentimes just the configuration of your existing stuff can make a big difference. So for instance, have you turned on multi-factor on all your key systems? Um, you know, that's, that's extremely low cost. Have you done cybersecurity training for your staff? Again, extremely low cost, very effective. Um, you know, and then, you know, from a technology standpoint, even if you're limited, you know, let's say if you have uh, Microsoft 365 for email, do you have an email gateway? Um, you know, and so, I mean, yes, you know, we, we would pick and choose what technology pieces we would do, things that we think are going to give a very high return on investment for those things. Now, now there does come to a point where it's like, hey, you need a um, EDR endpoint detection and response tool, you know, if you're really concerned about some of these things and the client just says, you know, hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to use the free-ish uh, antivirus or, you know, or, you know, or maybe do nothing. I don't know. But, but you know, so at some point there does be, there does come a, a conflict on what to do, but there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that we can help with. Um, you know, just the examples I gave, but even let's say access control reviews, if we did an access control review, how many former employees are in your key systems? Uh, I'm going to say not zero. 
Yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's funny the things you're naming, and like you know, first off, like you're, you're talking about like the art of risk management, you know, which is it applies in any organization of any scale. Like I've seen it in large and, and mid-sized organizations, and then also like the things you're referring to is so funny because they're really critical security controls that you know account for the overwhelming number of like data breaches and incidents that we see. Even in large organizations, we fail to do the fundamental basic things, uh, you know, at scale correctly. Uh, so I think you're spot on there. Uh, something else I wanted to ask, you know, flipping a little bit from like your perspective to the consumer, you know, the client's perspective, if I'm a SMB looking for, you know, a quality VCISO and I want to ensure they have, you know, the right credentials, experience, you know, any recommendations there? There's actually, uh, there was some really uh, heated LinkedIn drama. I don't know if you saw that, but people uh, kind of recommending maybe you just, you know, uh, over quantify or over qualify yourself as a VCISO in a confidential organization for a short period of time. So you can pivot into the, you know, a real VCISO opportunity. Um, so like if I'm a consumer looking for a VCISO, how do I vet those those folks to ensure I'm actually getting someone that knows what they're doing? They've done this before, those kind of things. So, um, okay, so th- this is going to sound somewhat self-serving, but I also do have some, some advice that may not be 100% self-serving. A lot of cybersecurity professionals, I would say, are not necessarily the best marketers in the world. So, you know, I'd say looking at someone's resume, is their security kind of, you know, baked in throughout their career? Um, and, you know, that that would really indicate there's going to be some quality there versus, let's say, someone just decided yesterday they were a security expert. Um, you know, so I do think that's probably look at their experience, like how long have they been in security? Because, you know, in my experience, today's security professionals are, you know, really top notch. The second thing to think about is who are they working for? So, you know, one of the things I've been most concerned about, and, you know, I don't, I can't necessarily point to a specific incident, but where a managed service provider, you know, basically has a VCSO and that VCSO may have limited security qualifications, but, you know, and it turns out they're kind of essentially an adjunct salesperson for the managed service provider, right? And they say, oh, you know, you need this tool and you need that tool. And they're less focused on people and process and more focused on what technology can I sell you? Um, they're also unlikely to say, oh, you know, my company's not doing a good job in managing X. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's I think it's entirely possible to buy from an MSP and have the VCSO be qualified. I think really I would look at the VCSO's resume and just see, do you see security all through it? I think that's probably the prime thing to say it's this certification or that certification. Um, I've seen people with a million certifications that I would not put in charge of a chair. And I've seen other people that have zero certification. You know, one of the people I respect, you know, the most has, I think, zero security certifications and he is security whiz. So it's it, it's it's really tough to, to go by that. I look at experience as the as probably the biggest thing, but then also will they mesh in your organization? Because some people are operating at a high level. You need someone who kind of gets your organization. Yeah, you're getting into some of the things we're going to touch on in terms of communication and cultural yeah. fit and some of that, some of those things. So I'm looking forward to touching on those topics. And then you also you kind of open the the Pandora's box of certifications versus experience, which I really hate that argument because it's not like a this or that. You know, right. it's kind of like the whole package. You know, getting a feel for someone, what they've done, you know, things they've learned uh, throughout their career, and it, you're looking for a security leader at the end of the day. Uh, so that's, you know, something to keep in mind as you're looking for a VCISO for your organization. Um, so, you know, looking at the other perspective, if I am, a, you know, an experience, experienced uh, cybersecurity professional, for example, and I want to explore being a VCISO, any recommendations on how to go, you know, go about getting started, you know, how to market that, uh, that opportunity for yourself and those kind of things? Yeah. So, um, so, I'll just tell a little bit of my journey. So in 2017, I decided I was going to quit my job and start 
as a VC so full time, I'd actually kind of prepped, I would say, several years earlier. So a couple of things. So one, creating a website, I think, is a super value. If, I'm assuming you're going off as your own VC. So for one, I mean, if you're looking for a VC, so job, hey, give us a call. We have a bunch of open uh, racks, including for a VC. So um, if if um, if you're going off on your own, I would think about creating a website. And the thing that it does is it create. you want to create the mental discipline of what is your special sauce, right? So some folks you know, are focused maybe on CMMC. Some folks are focused on, uh, you know, let's say SaaS companies. Some folks are, are you know, manufacturing healthcare, whatever it is, um, you know, it's unlikely you're going to come out of the gate and be an expert in all areas. So I would leverage your past expertise and be very focused. Think about how that messaging on the website is going to be and, you know, just work on getting that, that up. Um, the other thing to see if you can do is can you get a client on the side? Um, you know, let's say you're the director of security, VP of security, or, you know, or whatever your role is at a company, I bet you know some people that might need some security help. See if you can get a little bit of experience seeing what it's like to consult. You know, maybe you don't like it. Uh, maybe your sales skills are terrible. Um, you know, that's one thing I didn't know when I left, when I quit my job, I had no idea how, how good I would be at sales. Um, you know, I thought, you know, my children might be in a soup line. I didn't actually didn't really think that, but, but, you know, but the point is I did, I didn't worry about that because I knew I was technically apt. I didn't know if I was, you know, going to be good at running a business. And then, um, and I would just do some of those things on the side and really hone your thoughts on what you should be doing. You know, how are you at sales? At some point, that's, it's going to be too difficult. You know, I know for me, I found that extremely difficult. Uh, you know, I was very focused on my job. I had limited, you know, availability and I was taking away time from, you know, other things I like to be doing, like spending time with my family. So, you know, at one point I just decided I was going to quit my job and you have to decide um, and then work really hard to get that first, second, third client. And then, and then things get a lot easier. Yeah, I think those are honestly like really tremendous recommendations. You know, the cybersecurity career field to your first recommendation is incredibly vast and diverse and none of us know everything. You know, you may be great at uh, digital, you know, incident response and forensics, or you may be great at, you know, building security and risk management programs or, you know, whatever the case is, we all have different areas of expertise. So I like the, the you know, the comment of focusing on what you're great at and really, you know, specializing in that for clients. And then also, you know, kind of like moonlighting almost, you know, kind of having clients on the side and building that client portfolio before you make that leap is a great recommendation, you know, versus maybe just going all in with no clients lined up, nothing like that. And then again, you're, you're touching on like the sales aspect and communication, which we're about to talk about, but I can attest, you know, for even myself, you know, I have a consulting company myself and, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily a, a sales expert or a BD or growth or capture expert, you know, but I, I know cyber very well. I think that's where it comes into play, like having a team around you that have those areas of expertise so you can focus on what you do well and let them do, do what they do well. Uh, so all really great recommendations. Uh, and with that said, you know, I did want to ask, like, you know, on LinkedIn, you're pretty prolific with putting out some really funny videos for people that haven't seen Rob's videos. Definitely go give it a look. Uh, it's really entertaining, but it gets across a message, too, as it comes down to cybersecurity and risk management and leadership and things like that. You know, what led you to start making those videos and you know, have you found those in an effective way to communicate like cybersecurity concepts and, and you know, discussions to the community? Yeah. So first, we only unlocked the, our method recently, I would say, within the past six months or so. So um, been on LinkedIn this whole time, been do, creating, I think, high quality content. Our engagement was not 
that high. So I um, I follow Shea Robottom, and if anyone's interested in kind of messaging on LinkedIn, I mean, she has some tremendous video content, um, especially her older stuff. So maybe go on YouTube to see her stuff. But she she creates these very compelling videos. And, you know, so first I started creating the video and I would talk to the camera and talk about something da, 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 da. and it turns out people weren't that interested. But then um, we started doing some skits and basically uh, my marketing manager films me in one position as one character and another position as another character. And that has really resonated. Um, and I think, you know, one, we use a kernel of truth. So basically we take like a real scenario and then make it super, you know, make it funny. And I wear wigs and hats and everything. Um, and then it's short, you know, it's like a minute, minute and a half, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, that has really kind of exploded our, okay, exploded our follower count. I'm talking to someone with 35,000 followers on LinkedIn. <laughs> so Chris, you have, uh, you know, you're really impressive. So, so I have a ways to go to, to get to the Chris Hughes level, but, um, but it's really resonated and I, we get a lot of engagement and people seem really interested and, um, and it seems to, I would say, more reach our audience just because it kind of breaks out a little bit of the messaging to cyber folks. Yeah, I mean, I can attest to that. Like, honestly, I've had success of blending like, you know, professional cyber topics with like personal, you know, family life and just things that people can resonate with as like a human being. And that's what made me stop in my tracks at your content. It's like, oh, this is a little different. It's entertaining. It's not, you know, it's kind of lighthearted, uh, but it still has like a valuable concept and takeaway from it too related to cyber. So that's what makes me stop. And I think, you know, someone says something like, you know, do what everyone else is doing on the platform and you'll blend right in or do something different and you'll stand out. And that's what kind of jumped out at your videos. Um, so that said, you know, and, and on the LinkedIn side, you know, any other content or anything recently you've come across that seemed interesting or valuable to you? Well, actually, now that you mention it, I was uh, in prepping for today's uh, call. I was looking at some of your content and you posted something on uh, the uh, CSA's SaaS governance best practices for cloud customers. Hadn't seen that. Open the document. It's a treasure trove of info. And who's one of the lead or who's the lead author on there? And it's you. And I was like, oh, wow, that's <laughs> that was that was pretty interesting stuff. Um, I actually I sent that out to my team uh, this morning because I, I just, you know, it, it looks like a really good document. We a lot of our clients are uh, SaaS companies. And so it really resonated. I mean, the unfortunate piece, you know, I mean, how about this? It was comprehensive. So it's like the 70 page document. The The thing is, is everyone's looking for the short, quick fix. And the answer is, no, no, no just do all 70 pages of stuff and you'll be totally fine. But, um, you know, it is obviously challenging. I mean, it's challenging for us. You know, folks say, well, what to do? Well, you know, we're going to start here, do, 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 do all these things. But obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff to be done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really appreciate the plug on that. It is, you know, it is a massive, you know, a 70 page document, but it is the most com comprehensive, like vendor agnostic, you know, SaaS governance and security guidance out there, too. Um, I was I was reading it and I was super impressed because you guys really think through all the different aspects. Like if you read a how to manage SaaS securely article, it's going to have like one little thing or like five little tidbits, which, by the way, probably is good advice, but it doesn't give you like how do i run my program it's kind of like oh let me th make sure i think about these little elements yeah so, we, really, we try to come at you know throughout the entire like life cycle of you know right. evaluation and consideration all the way through like termination of uh you know consuming SaaS, and then also recommendations on the you know the vendor side um and just like talking to the smb market like you talked about like their SaaS use is is everyone's using SaaS, you right. know, and, but there's not a lot of guidance out there. So I really appreciate that plug on that. Um, and another question I had, but one of the last questions actually for you today is like, you know, LinkedIn and social media aside, you know, dealing with customers uh, on the business side, you know, how, 
how important do you think it is like for cybersecurity professionals to be effective communicators, storytellers, you know, to, to really build rapport and persuasion and stuff for some of the efforts that we want to uh, advocate for? Um, it may be the most important skill. So, you know, I will just give tons of love to my fellow cybersecurity professionals. I mean, I think you guys are, are, you know, really diligent. Things are, you know, you guys work really hard. People understand a tremendous amount of information. It's like really kind of almost impossible to explain that. But the, the challenge that folks have is the persuasion piece. And, you know, let me, let me give a, an example. Actually, I just thought this might be a future blog post because I was just thinking about this this morning. I've had this conversation multiple times. So client says, we don't need AV. It's, uh, we don't need antivirus because, um, you know, we're operating securely. And so then I say, okay, cool. Um, all right, cool. So um, how many, you know, and they say, oh, we use Macs and, you know, did it with mainly technical folks. Okay, cool. So like, well, how many Windows machines do you have? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we have like a half a dozen Windows machines. I'm like, so no AV on them? I'm like, um, you know, maybe we should put AV on those. Okay, cool, cool. Now, for the for your last phishing test that you've done for your, for your staff, um, how many folks failed and clicked on the fish? Oh, like 15%. Okay, and they don't need antivirus. They're like, oh yeah, okay, cool. So then, you know, so basically you kind of <laughs> chunk. So you go from no, we don't need antivirus to let's buy an EDR solution. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that I did not crack that code for a while. You know, I had that conversation. It was a little frustrating and it was not obvious. And, you know, I went about it not directly like, oh, you need AV. No, 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 that's, you know, I'm a security professional. You need it. You have to convince them to convince themselves. And I do think on the persuasion front, that's one area where cyber professionals could really work on, um, you know, the why. Uh, and, you know, there's a, a couple of things where I have not cracked the code, and that's around privacy. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk to folks about privacy and some of the consequences of them putting their data up there. And they're like, yeah, but I want this free stuff. I don't care if my data is out there. And I'm like, okay, like, what if your insurance rates go up because this private data is out there? They're like, eh, it's esoteric. You know, so I haven't found the key to everything, but I but I do 100% believe that persuasion is going to be so important for us as cyber professionals. And, you know, and, the, and I think it's incumbent on us to think about how does our message resonate when we say something we know to be true and the client doesn't do it, you know, is it on them or on us? You know, and, and I, I think we need to put the burden on us on, on persuading. Yeah, I was actually happy, happy to hear you say that, you know, about the communication being like particularly maybe even the most important thing, because, you know, I, I've learned that no matter how technical someone is, if they can't be an effective communicator, build relationships, you know, navigate internal bureaucracy and politics and like just communicate and, and build rapport with other human beings, it's really difficult to be effective as a cybersecurity leader. Uh, and I think, you know, some of the people I've seen who've been the most effective aren't even, you know, the most amazingly technical people or whatever, but they're great communicators. And I think that's a really incredible thing we need to emphasize on the cybersecurity side is we often get caught up in the technical detail and forget the human aspect, the communication side of things. Um, so last question for you before you take off here is, uh, you know, what does the term cybersecurity resilience mean to you? Yeah, so cybersecurity resilience means or, you know, let's just say resilience in general means that you can recover or that you can continue to operate um, even if something non-ideal happens. And, you know, from a resiliency standpoint, that means probably 
layering um, defense in depth. So basically having all sorts of different controls. It also means really understanding your personnel, who can do what, being resilient when someone's on vacation or someone's sick or someone leaves the organization. So if you know you don't have resiliency really from a technical standpoint and a people and process standpoint, um, you know that can have disastrous effects on your business. And just look at any recent news story where you know some company was down for a significant period of time, you know, resulting in significant loss to them. So um, you know, so so uh, you know, cyber resilience is a um, important concept. And in one respect, I would say it you know for all the things we do on you know confidentiality. Um, uh, integrity or availability. I mean, obviously, um, you know, they're all really kind of tied to that uh, being resilient, having a resilient organization that can uh, overcome, you know, various speed bumps. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. It's not a matter of, you know, uh, if something is going to happen is when and how do you recover and respond to it? So definitely well said. Uh, so with that said, you know, before we break here, any uh, parting words for the audience, you know, where can they find you? You know, where can they follow you and, and find out more about what you're up to? Yes. So Chris, so first, thanks a lot for having me. This has been a really great session. Uh, you know, I'd say follow follow me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Uh, just look for Rob Black. Uh, and, um, and, you know, love to engage with you. Uh, we put out content uh, two or three times a week. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a, my team does a great job in writing some really relevant content, especially, I would say, geared to the uh, let's say technical, but maybe not cyber experts. So like the CTOs of the world, VPs of engineering, um, you know, so, so technical leaders that, um, you know, need some help and guidance. Um, so just, uh, yeah, follow on, uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Love it. Well, thanks so much for being here. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Great. Thanks, Bye. Chris.